This is Austin Enneagram, and today we are doing Type 7 in Helen Palmer's book. And my guest is my friend Rachel Lomas. And probably out of all the people I know in my life, Rachel has done the most Enneagram work. She's really like she... I introduced her to the Enneagram um, several years back, and she has been studying it voraciously ever since. She's been studying it like a seven. And um, so she she does a lot of work, and she tries really hard to, to be self-aware and to know what she's up to. And it's really hard work. It's hard work for all of us, but I think it's really particularly hard for sevens. And she is a great seven to listen to because she has thought so much about this and for herself and and, in all the ways Enneagram. She's quite enamored with instinctual variants, and she's kind of the person who... I refer to a lot on the podcast about sevens pushing me to do instincts and subtypes. She has really kind of made me realize how the countertype, how important the countertype is and how hard it is for people to type themselves often if they are a countertype and why. And so she's taught me a lot. And so I'm really happy to, and she's a, she's a dear friend. We've, done a lot of political work together we've had a supper club together she's an incredible cook um, probably the best cook I know I always call her a poet in the kitchen or a slam poet in the kitchen is what I call her so I hope you enjoy our conversation today thanks for listening and please comment send questions and share this podcast with your friends. I don't know. I don't know. She says to understand what the other person feels, not to label someone, but to feel just as the other person feels. To feel just as the other person feels. Does yes, like to yeah. It sounds like you're gonna. You mean you're really? I mean, a level of I don't know if you call it empathy, but not. You know, and that I think with that that's important because there's like for me it's like okay okay I'm. Maybe I'm still putting you in your box, but I got to move beyond that and really, and especially as a seven, try to feel what that other person is feeling. Like when I'm having some understanding of them. And then she talked I about it. I think it's really hard for seven. Cause really hard. Really hard. I think it's the hardest thing. I think my mother thinks she's feeling what, or understanding the other person, right? I think she thinks she is. But it's different. Okay, but that's a very different thing to understand someone. In the interaction they're having, they're having a social interaction, and I'm observing it. And what she takes away from that social interaction is wild to me. Like, what's an example? I wish I could think of one. I can't think of one right now, but... I mean, usually it's things like... The doctors and the nurse, like for example, dad was had his heart worked on this week, and the doctors and the nurses are just in love with your father. They're just in here, and they're in love with, and maybe they are. But I watch. She has this whole narrative about how everyone's in in love with my father, and he's so sweet, and everyone's in love with him, and they're just. I mean, that's not untrue, but she goes through. 
it just helps her. I think in a moment of crisis where she's in the hospital and she's not sure what's going to happen, she that's what she's grabbing onto, or is that everybody loves my father and they're well, going to sevens want to be adored. They, they want to be what adored, adored, adored. You think my mother wants to be adored? I think she wants me to adore my father. But and your father is they have be, they have kind of merged. They they are one. They, they are, are one. They are one. So adoration of him reflects on her. And so it's, yeah. it's and 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 it it's big time. And if people don't adore my father, then it's it's as if she is not being adored. Exactly. I mean, yeah. she's a you know so that so she sees it all as you know. I mean, it's like when someone adores your child, you kind of you it, you feel you know it's. It's similar, you know, in that yeah. intimate family of how I you... can't compliment her though. She won't take it. She won't accept it. Hmm. What do you think that's about? I don't know. But the, so... I think I think underlying her all her forward thrust is she would never admit to this. But I think there's a fear of intimacy or a fear of vulnerability under all of that forward thrust. Do you would you cop to any of that? Do you think all that forward motion is to avoid what might feel like falling into yourself, which is scary because you're not certain of what that is, or you're not sure you love it or love yourself? And I mean, I don't know. I don't well, there is a self critic in the seven that I think is is not people don't recognize, but the set so. Uh, Richard Rohr said that the seven, and I had a hard time listening to him say this about the seven, that they have this happy smile on the face, but underneath, if you look carefully, is this deep anxiety and insecurity. And yeah. there's a mask. Um, Did you listen to that little snippet I sent you of Russ Hudson talking about sevens? I don't think I did. I emailed it to you because oh. I didn't know how to text oh, it to I you. I know, email. I know, but no, I didn't know I, how to text I was, it. No, I wish I had. But he talks. He talks about how that the I don't know if it's the motion. He talks. I love. He calls it the optimizing thrust of a seven, which I love those words. But he he was saying that it's that the fear of pain and all of that driving motion is comes from I wish I could remember how he said it but it's like a baby a newborn baby crying in its crib for someone to hold it and no one ever comes and that that's like this baseline of what sevens are running about and that we therefore he was trying to help us be compassionate and like see it a different way and well ruby and i were just talking about the crying baby thing and because ruby my daughter who's a, a sexual seven but mm-hmm. she wouldn't let me hold her I she would to, not let you as a baby as a baby a newborn infant you could not hold her close to your body and you had to hold her far away with your arms fascinating far and as if she was recreating this this idea that you're not being held by the mother she made it happen and we just talked about it and she said that's she what was, i was doing that's an i feel like that's evidence of being born a seven it's, Do you know what I mean? Yes, but I was just listening to Helen say that like she, she think, made that. She made Ruby it. as a newborn made that, and the, and I and it and as a mother, I couldn't connect with her because I wanted to hold a baby as you hold a baby close to your body. Yeah, I mean, I nursed. She her. wouldn't let you. She physically, it was at arm's reach. That's I, wild. I couldn't. 
And then there was a mis a misconnection. It's supposedly the seven has issues with the mother more than the father. Interesting. And that's there's a conflict there, and and they don't feel. For me, also my mother, who I can barely complain about, was so affectionate. I did not let her show me affection. I kept her. I don't remember as a baby keeping her. I don't know if I. But I kept her at arm's length physically from me. As a child, wouldn't let her hold me or touch me or be very affectionate with me. So kind of the same thing. But I was just listening to Helen Palmer, just a yeah YouTube thing, and she was saying that she was arguing, and I don't know if I agree, but that at least you're born with your as a heart head um, gut person at the minimum, and then it may then you may create then things may happen very in that very infancy, the very beginning. That's interesting. That turn you into the number, but the the genetic component, and I'm sc- I, I kind of think that the number is more dialed in. Dialed. Looking at friends of mine and how their parents are, and just seeing how it falls down the yeah. line. But yeah, and she she wasn't saying because that kind of leaves it open to nurture a little. It definitely leaves it open to nurture. Nurture, but yeah. um, I it, Ruby was so it was she was born that way. It was and then and then that becomes what you believe because you weren't you know. You, were, you know, and then there's a lot of issues, you know, he, um, I forget who was talking about, but nursing, you know, that they, they also act like a baby who wasn't nursed or that, that yeah. uh, you know, or they were cut off from the, um, from the breast tubes early or soon. So right. there's this disconnection. And then that, of course, goes back to not connecting with the mother. Right. I think so many things go back to that. <laughs> okay. So let's dive in here. Points five, six, and seven grouped on the left side of the Enneagram represent three different strategies for dealing with childhood fear. So fear triad. Sixes at the core fear point. Over prepare by vigilantly scanning the horizon, the environment. And fives withdraw from what whatever makes them afraid. Sevens, looking not at all concerned, move toward people in an attempt to charm and disarm with pleasantry. Faced with a frightening early life, seven children diffuse their fear by escaping into the limitless possibilities of imagination. I mean, do you feel like you had a frightening early life? I never wanted to need anybody. I never wanted to show any emotion around my parents. And I spent all my time when I was frightened alone. I didn't feel like I could ever go to my parents with any vulnerability. And I remember that as a just, you know, have, you know, I, we talked to this earlier, but you know, my children, when they, it was really sad when I had children and they were in the bed with me when they had nightmares. And then I realized that I never felt comfortable going to my parents and just to be this child alone. And I was always scared there was something under the bed and I, like paralyzed, not being able to move and then not going to your parental figure for, for comfort. It's just, it's very sad. And did you not go because you felt like they didn't want you to go or did you just think that you needed to be strong or do you, I think I needed to not need anybody, but I think there was also some disconnect with them where it didn't feel safe. They didn't feel safe. Something, you know, about going to them did not feel safe. I think, well, as a seven, you don't want to show vulnerability or pain. And then to actually deal with it with another person, I think if you can make a story in your head or reframe it somehow, if you have to deal with it with another person, it becomes, it's real. Yeah. If you're alone with it. You, you can, can kind of pretend like it's not real. Yes. But like, so your daughter's a seven. 
when she was little, she did come to you in the night with her scare fears. She did. And so, so y'all were, so it was available to her. Her as a seven, it was available to her. And you as a seven, you felt it was not available to you. So it's true. But um, I think she did other, she did strange things. She decided that we were, and this is so bizarre. She decided that we weren't um, actually our, us. We were aliens that had taken over and that her parents were gone. Oh. So even though she had, I mean, of course, I would think. That's these, fascinating. So you were totally available and she made up a story about how you weren't. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. And she didn't think we were even, she was terrified that we were. See, and, this is this is why, honestly, like this is, see, I find all this very freeing personally because it makes me realize that whatever our childhood wound is or whatever this whole thing that we suffer from is in our number, it's we, we, we created, created it. it. We created it. And we were like born to create it and we can uncreate it too. Yes. And, and what Helen talks about this, list, I was listening to her Lisa, is that how much we don't, did not have a choice until we can get to a higher spiritual level mm-hmm. and face our ego and change our personality, that we are kind of in this rote. Totally. We're just following this pattern. And we, totally. we have very little self-control over what we're doing. And I think it can allow for a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. Of yourself. What, Enneagram work. Or, yeah. Yes, or just because, spiritual work. All of it. Well, yeah. the Enneagram, to like understand that a lot of things that you did, that the this and, and she talks about as Americans, the idea of not having free choice, that it's very un-American. And so Americans in particular, when she's taught the Enneagram in different parts of different countries that it's mm-hmm. harder for Americans to understand that they're on this, you know, this following these patterns over and over again. And there yeah. wasn't a lot of choice in the decisions they were making, but then you, but there is this ability to free yourself of this. Right. Right. Totally. Totally. But that takes a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's hard. why I think it's worth studying. Like sometimes I think to myself when the world is like this and there's so much suffering and tragedy and polarity and, you know, like, there, there are moments in my life where I feel like this is frivolous, or not frivolous, but not important, I guess. But I actually think it's very important for the reason you're saying. Because if everybody it was able to transcend their habitual patterns of, of behavior, then we would be able to get out of the place we're in. It's so important. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm very interested in politics mm-hmm. and understanding world leaders i mean understanding like i and you know people can argue about what trump is or putin or hitler was but recently beatrice was chestnut was saying that that putin and hitler are both counterphobic sixes and that blew my mind and even thinking about the putin and, and hitler hitler were counterphobic sixes yes fascinating and dealing with the ukraine war not that anyone has the ability to like access Putin, but there's strategies to use to understand what he's, if he is a counterphobic sick. I don't know that we can know that, but it's possible. I mean, there it's endless what the Enneagram can do. If you can use it in a good way to like maybe even stop a war. Yeah. How do you appease Putin to make it in sooner? Like, what do you do with his ego? What do you do with that counterphobic little boy who's secretly scared? I mean, it's fascinating to me. So it's very important work. I think it's very important work too. I agree with you. So sevens do not broadcast anxiety. They do not look afraid. They tend to be lighthearted and sunny, often addicted to planning and play. You don't. You've always said to me you don't feel like you're lighthearted and sunny. And and P, and Pcor, my our other friend who's a seven, gets mad at me when I talk about sevens as being 
lighthearted. I think the sexual seven, which is, you know, is plays out that stereotype. I, I want to be lighthearted. Right. You want things to be good. Yes. And that's, we've talked about this before. That's one of the reasons that when I'm drinking, I feel like I can let go of a lot of my anxiety and be this lighthearted seven that I want to be. So it's, it's part of who I want to be, but I get bogged down with, um, like if I'm stressed, I think I, you know, going to one or just being, just wanting, not, not, I mean the, the, the social seven, um, and I, you know, I know there's controversy about the wings, but you know, I think a social seven with an eight or strong eight tendencies tends to be more like wants to live more in reality. Because a social seven with a strong eight wing wants to live in reality. Well, especially because if you're a, if you're the counter subtype, but you, I mean, let me ask you this: like, do, do, I I think my mom is probably a social seven with a strong eight wing, and she prides herself on living in reality. I mean, no one lives, but in reality. she doesn't. We don't, of course. But compared to the sexual, <laughs> right? Compared to the sexual, the, she who was, lives in the clouds. Right. So we're, she's so not in the clouds. All relative. She's pragmatic. She's a very pragmatic seven. And she's very much about, like, I want the truth. She's always saying, I want to hear the truth. I want you to tell me the truth. I want everyone to tell me the truth. I just want the truth. That's not really true. She doesn't want the truth. She just wants the truth of certain things that fit into her reality. I would say we are the realist just compared to the sexual. So it's just relative. Yeah, it's just relative to the sexual seven. Yes, we're not reframing as much. And we kind of can see what the seven the issues of the seven are a little clearer and we don't want to go down those paths as we yeah. go down those paths because we're just stuck unless we're really getting unstuck through the work. But we, I think we're more avoidant of some of the like stereotypes of the seven. Sure. Sure. Okay. So then she talks about it's, she calls the seven, the Peter Pan, the point of narcissists. And we know this. Peter Pan is, is, yeah. is really true of the seven. You think so? Like just, Absolutely. just like, Youth, not Youth. wanting to grow up, yeah. just feeling that vitality. That chi- I mean, we, if you think of a child, childs are full of joy. I mean, when you mm-hmm. think in childhood, it was supposed to be full of joy. Yeah, and we I mean, of, ideally, it's ideally, full of joy. and so everything about being a child is what the seven wants to embody, just like laughter and yeah. that lightness, and and you, we want children to not have pain, and we hope that they have these. I mean, of course, children have pain, just like adults, but we hope children have less pain than adults. So, so trying to emulate going back to childhood and not wanting to grow up and not wanting to be old and you know, I mean, like I fear, I fear being old more than I fear dying. Mm, oh, for sure. Me too. By the way, I mean, maybe yeah. because we can want to control. We're in that triad of. Um, I wonder if that's related to the one, the one four seven idealism. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's more about nursing my mother in law with Alzheimer's and like just seeing. Do you think me. you you became that way? I think I've always been this way. Yeah, I think I became that way because I think I didn't, I couldn't really imagine what my old age could look like and then I got really faced with it so she talks about every like so the story of Narcissus right who looks in the in the water all the time and but that everybody needs a little healthy narcissism we all need to recognize our unique value and worth so I think there are other numbers on the Enneagram that can benefit from I always say it like I have Nathaniel and I both, as withdrawing numbers, I always say, like, we have much to learn from aggressive numbers because aggressive numbers tend to have, they value who they are and their worth. And that's like y'all's, it's your strong thing, it's your best, it's your bright thing and your shadow. It's the best thing you have going for you and it's your, it's what 
you fall down on. But and so, sevens can go inside themselves, and with that reframing and imagination, we can kind of tell ourselves a story about who we are. And yeah, the difference for, between the forever. three and the seven is the three still needs that external because there's a lot of threes and sevens often I think feel similar sometimes. Yes, but the three needs that external validation, validation mm-hmm. and wanting people to like them. We're the we're the seven. We can just live in our own imagination because we're head you know because of that head ability. Yeah, and and so we can tell ourselves so we're more you can tell your you can tell yourself that someone likes you that that doesn't like you we tell ourselves whatever we want yeah i know that's what i mean like a three is very aware that someone doesn't like them i think we're but a seven will think people like them and think that you know certain something went a certain way when it didn't like you know or sometimes we just don't want to know. We don't want to think. We just stop thinking about it. We just just cut. Like them. why I think about it? Right. Do you ever? Do you just think it's like like the rest of us being concerned about people not liking us is such a waste of time? I tell my three daughter that all the time. When she first got to this new school, the first thing she said is, "You know, I wonder how if these people like me." And the first thing I said to her is, "You should like, be thinking. You should be thinking. Do you like them? Like you? It should be." And I so good. So and good. That's how I think about. Things and people, you know. I mean, I think that's really healthy. There are, there are healthy that's, parts of it. That's but then, the gift of aggression. It's the but the three is aggressive. The three is aggressive, it's but they're working the, against themselves. They are, and the heart they're feeling. We don't have that ability to walk in the room and feel things. We have to work really hard. Yeah. To pick up on other people's emotions, and the three walks in the room and they're they're feeling everything, whether it's you know to suit their purposes or for other people's. They yeah. at least have that emotional capacity that it's we we have to we, accessing that is tough. Yeah. And that's why, you know, like really having empathy, I think, is harder for the seven. Empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were, what were you just saying about empathy before we sat down? Like, Oh, that, that again, because I was just listening to all this Helen Palmer stuff, trying yeah. to, that she was saying that, you know, you want to not just understand some, what someone's going through, but truly like try to feel what they're feeling in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that... It's hard because for a seven who lives in my head, I, I logically want to think about, okay, this is what this person is doing. This is why. And I'm there's all these reasons. Yeah. Reasons are different from feeling. Very different. And so I'm I coming think... up with like a pattern of what happened to them, why they're doing it, and I want to understand them. Yes. And I think that's trying to do my work. Yeah. To actually sit there and feel their pain is not something I ever do. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm doing. I feel like I do it too much. Except for my, I think except for my children. I mean, my, your children are different. You feel yeah. the pain. You can't help it. I think a seven mother. It's possible that a seven mother might not feel a child's pain. I feel like my kids are suffering. I really. I mean, it, it, you my suffer. heart hurts. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes I will try to talk my way out of not feeling it for too long. Right. And then my son went through some different stuff. And I actually thought about doing some actually EMDR trauma therapy to like work through it. And I actually realized that I wanted to hold on to the pain because I wanted to relate to him more. It was a way for me to like have this shared painful experience. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to stop feeling it and I like didn't want to heal from it. I think that's really amazing, Rachel. I mean, that's really big. It's really huge. Well, I knew I, I don't we, think we, work many... th- we work through things so fast. And this was such a difficult thing that I knew if I lost that thread, I would lose this connection with him and I would lose, I would lose so much. So I, I actually have chills thinking about it, but it's hard. Yeah, but it, that, that was like, a, and with my therapist, I talked about it. You know, she was actually suggesting the opposite 
funny because she's a four who feels a lot, but she was like, okay, you know, you, you have the right to me. I was like, no, I got to hold on to this. You have the right to what? To, to move. Like she's always trying to convince me with my kids that I, you know, I don't need to be stuck in their stuff mm-hmm. because we spent a lot of time talking about that. But I, I, re- I, I know what this particular situation But I think is. there's a real difference, um, as a seven being, uh, involved in their the logistics of their life and how to fix it and what's going on and da 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 and, and or versus being present to their emotions. I think she's coming at it from as a four perspective where she needs to move through these things because she she, she needs holds, I think it's hard with your with anyone they they bring their own vision into it. Sure, so as sure, a four sure. she is holding on to emotions too much. Okay. So she probably doesn't quite understand me that I need that it's important for me to feel pain and hold on to it longer. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying because uh I see what you're saying. She's giving the advice that she needs to take for herself. Yes. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Gotcha. True. That's good. Well, see, it's very wise of you to even pick up on all that. Maybe you need to be her therapist. I, I, <laughs> actually there are times when she's told me that I should should be paying me. <laughs> Yeah, this has happened before, but it's because of the work, the enneagram. I mean, if, and yeah. if I didn't know her number, right? Which it took me, a, and she's kind of private about that. It took a while to get. Sometimes therapists don't want to you don't know anything about them, right? Yeah, she, I mean, and so it's been, it's really helped me. Yeah, um, I really want to know her um, if she's sexual, social, or, uh, um, self next because then that's a <laughs> lot of insight into the four because they're so different. Yes, yeah, true. So I'm going to read that this is the paragraph that you read to me on the phone that got me to get the book. Difficulty arises only when we become so convinced of our special value that we fail to hear the suggestions of those who mirror back the objective truth. And I think that's really important. I'm going to read it again. Difficulty arises for a seven when they become so convinced of their special value. So that's kind of going back to being in the aggressive stance and and recognizing your own value and worth, that they fail to hear the suggestions of those who mirror back the objective truth. Now, granted, nobody has like 100% objective truth, but I think it's a way of saying that they discount people in their lives who are mirroring for them. And they just, they just don't believe it. And they don't take it in. But I'm going to keep going. Epicures are convinced of their own excellence. And they seek environments and people who will support their worth. Yes, 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 yes. They have sensitive tastes and want to sample the best of what life can offer. Sevens like to keep up their spirits. They want adventure and to keep their expectations high. There is a chemistry for peak experience. As if champagne, not blood, were running through their veins. That is the best seven line ever. Yeah, it's the best. It's like the best sentence in the whole chapter I think it is incredible and it's like the almost I can feel when you take like champagne even bubbles like this effervescence like this like what how it hits you so fast when you drink champagne and it's this it's it's the party I mean champagne yeah. embodies everything that we think of yeah for celebrations for parties um you know I was just reading that some of the first like Tour de France uh, cyclists were drinking champagne they thought it was going to help them this was this is like in the '60s. They were drinking champagne while they on were on their on their bikes on their bikes, thinking that and maybe that energy because it gives you this energy. It's we we do champagne for blood. Oh, we I, we would trade trade it in. But um, 
But the, so yeah. like the two, I love the champagne comment, but I guess the two things in this paragraph that I'm most interested in is the way they discount people's feedback about what they're seeing in the seven and the way they have a really good way of kind of almost creating a bubble of people who, who, who are kind of drinking their Kool-Aid, drinking the champagne of their blood. Oh. I mean, it's like, let me just surround myself with people who are going to mirror back what I want to see. Absolutely. Yeah. And my husband has told me some really harsh things and as he was telling them, and they were true and I needed to hear them, I just like stopped listening in mid sentence. And then afterwards I thought, how could you not he said some very, very harsh but but probably appropriate and I just decided not even to even engage with it. I mean I almost like as he's getting upset and saying these things to me, I'm not I just stopped listening mid-sentence because I don't think I can deal with the pain to actually like hear those things because it would be too upsetting. Yeah. So I just choose not to listen. But that's frightening. Like that, this is a person that I love and adore and that, and he doesn't use harsh words often. So if he does it. If he's coming to you with something he wants to say, he's really, it's big. It's big. And it's not, he's not wasting his words. He doesn't do it often. Right. So I'm disconnecting in the moment. Yeah. And going into my head and just deciding. And then even afterwards, I'm deciding not to be upset about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and even if I feel like it's not, he sometimes he's saying things I need to hear. Sometimes I think he might be just angry as most people do and saying things in a way he shouldn't. But I'm still deciding not to even be upset about the fact that he might be saying something that he even shouldn't. I'm just not going to go there. I'm not yeah, yeah. going to allow myself to, and I'm just going to move right along and just almost pretend like it didn't happen. Right. Right. And not be hurt either way. I mean, not absorb what the lesson and not absorb the fact that maybe he was, you know, I don't want to disparage him, but that maybe being kind of a jerk in that moment too. Like I just don't yeah. want to deal with any of it. Right. Right. Because and there's a, there's a connection to all that. I mean, like, you know, if, if you were able to listen to his suggestions and actually do the sticky hard work of, shifting whatever he's suggesting and and doing it over time you know and I think that impatience is a huge thing and I think the shift like whatever he suggests if you were able to hear it and then just work on it it wouldn't be fixed today it wouldn't be fixed tomorrow but over a stretch of time of you try of you trying then it would not only shift y'all's relationship but it would shift kind of his trust in what's the the capacity of the relationship and the capacity to actually change yes which is very hard for the seven it is just discipline yeah it's even if i mean in the moment we can want to change we can say all that and 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 often we can do it for a while yeah and then but also, you know, I'm married to a five. It's hard because I will really try and work on something for six months a year. And I think he's got like a, I think it's about two years that it takes for him. For if he needs to see change. So often I lose patience because I'm not getting, I'm also not getting the feedback. Like, oh, it can tell you're, which yeah, we, you're t- yeah. we like <laughs> a lot. We like a lot of positive feedback. Yeah. Because often we really are trying. Yeah. And so when, when you get, say two years, like what are you talking about? Like it takes two years. I feel like with him, it, if something, it takes about two years for him to get over something. or For him, for to, him to get over something. Or for me to work on something. I would, this is my, I know it takes about two years, something major happens for him to kind of 
work through, which is a long time. Yeah, fives take a long time to work through anything. And then I think when I'm working on something or trying to make change, I don't know, I, I often can, you know, I'll be good for like six months or a year and then mm. I don't get any, but I don't get any of the, if I got positive reinforcement, I think we we do well with like a yeah, little little bumps along the way. Yes, to I think keep that, you on track. Yes, we yeah. need that, and it feeds us, and we're like, and we want acknowledgement because we're working so hard. Yeah, we need we need we need structure, we need discipline, we need a lot of positive. Yeah, pray we like pray. I mean, I don't think we like praise as much as a three. Right, but and I think what tends to happen, sadly, is that people get exasperated with the seven from various things whether it's like them not doing what they say they're going to do or you know all all the ways in which sevens kind of we lose trust in them and so then we get exasperated and then when you are trying we are kind of already been trained not I'm not saying this is an excuse but it's like the seven has already trained us not to even notice because when we tried to notice earlier in the relationship. It's too little too late. A little bit. I mean, like, any if, if you're being very present to a seven, then all the ways in which they're not holding up kind of their end of it and their responsibilities in it uh, start to, as the friend or the lover or whatever, it starts to wound you so much that then you move to the exasperation point of view and the detachment. So, you know, I think a lot of people detach from sevens as a way of coping. And so then when the seven starts working on that, you you kind of like, you you kind of not even noticing because you've detached and you can't, it's almost too painful to notice as the friend because... You're, I don't know. It's a trust thing, I think. Like, will it, will it, maybe I'll believe in this, but then it might shift back and I'll get stung again. You know, I don't know. No, I think there's a lot of issues with trust with sevens. And it's that, that, you know, we dig into these holes and then. And then the impatience of a seven, I think, when in the, uh, what has to be built up to create that trust is too, it's too, it's too slow it's for a seven. It is it's very, very hard. slow. And that's why I think we'll often bail on relationships too if it's too painful or hard because we don't see the amount of work, you know, years to work back on a relationship is very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I do see though, you know, I, I, and I know it may be different, with, but with Ruby and myself, like if we have a friend and like the few friends Ruby has where she's all in, I mean, we can be really all in with somebody and then like give them everything, but it's usually a small group. Yeah. And it's usually someone who's, uh, drinking the champagne. Yes. Yeah. So that, I mean, that relationship works, I think. Um, until it doesn't like, I think, you know, a seven can be all in with the person who's drinking all the champagne. And then if there's a moment where that person who's been drinking it with the seven wants to stop, metaphorically drinking the champagne or or or, or, or actually, literally or literally or metaphorically then then i think then it's a then it's a shit show right then it's a real showdown it's a real problem so i don't know i mean i don't i'm trying to think i don't really have any sevens 
in your life, <laughs> in your life, like friends, dear friends that. that are sevens. I, oh, uh, I can, no, that's not true. It's some social sevens. Yeah. But, um, because we see the world the same. Yeah. But the self-press seven and the sexual seven, they, that sounds bad, but the self-press seven often is just too selfish for me. And the sexual seven, I just doesn't feel as reliable. Yeah. And so, but the social sevens I do have, but that's, that's it. Yeah. One thing she says, she talks about psychobabble and attractive escape replaces real effort and work. I don't know. I've never heard of seven psychobabble, but do you think that's just what a... What is psychobabble? Psychobabble is just kind of talking in uh, esoteric terms uh, so that you kind of maybe sound like you're saying a lot of things, but you're not really saying anything. Well, sometimes sevens love the way their minds work and love to hear themselves talk. But I don't know if I'd call it psychobabble. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it psychobabble. I mean, Helen talks a lot about that therapy is really hard for sevens because, again, it takes a lot of work. And then as soon as we think... It's as soon as it kind of the issue gets a little bit resolved, we're like, okay, we're done with therapy. That's that's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. enough. <laughs> well, even yeah. I mean, it's taken me years to even openly talk about even that I am in therapy or doing therapy because that sounds negative or depressing or weak. And I, and I want everyone sound... to know, like, I don't have depression. I'm just working out some stuff, and I don't, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it's very yeah. yeah. You want to be strong and sound strong and appear strong. Yes, and we want to. We want. And you don't. We, we want to be the bright light. Right. So there's the bright light piece and the strong piece, but then also what is the childhood message or the, like that you don't need, you don't need anybody. Right. right? So needing it, and a a therapist can take on kind of a parental role sometimes. So that, no, definitely it, that would, that it shows a need. So, I mean, I mean, I'm so, I don't want to sound, I'm not trying to condescend when I say I'm proud of you, but I am proud of you. It's hard. I think it's awesome. It's hard. It's great. Um, and therapy can be boring to us. I mean, it can be really, boring. It can That's be boring. I've never been bored in therapy. I have to oh. say, yeah. If it's not just like moving, moving along. at like a great pace, and and if there isn't this, she's talking to me, and I'm getting something. If it's not moving along, and we're you know, I mean, I'll have some sessions. I'm like, what even happened? Like that. Yeah. Like, and then something will come, and then it'll take a few times for, and they're like, okay, we got somewhere, and I'll I'll try to remember that, and yeah. No, and I I don't I mean I therapy for me is like once a month. That's the most I can do. Wow. That's that's good though. That, I mean, yeah. that's good. That's good. The buoyancy, I like that word, of a belief in life's opportunities. I like that. The buoyancy of a belief in life's opportunities is greatly enhanced by the habit of keeping multiple options open and making commitments with backup plans. I think that's a big thing for sevens, right? Multiple options, making commitments with backup plans. There, no is never an answer. Like there's always, a, there's always a way to do whatever you want. I mean, right. it, there's always an option out there. And I actually find that's true. Like if you keep twisting and turning your mind enough ways, like sevens are so good at what's possible and we can find a yes. solution. Yes. And often, and we usually do because there's this determination. Let me ask you though. Do you ever feel like. I think it's exhausting other people though. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, do you ever feel like the time energy maybe maybe you don't perceive it as stress or chaos but like kind of all of that that goes into all the options and then like what you end up with i mean is it it's so like it's worth it it's so rewarding (laughs) especially if you have naysayers and people who tell you that you can't have or you can't do it yeah it's it's a it's a high it's like a rush yeah it's really really addictive i mean it's yeah it's 
it it's and it, you kind of like you're proving something to everybody else all the you know the negativity and that it can't be done and you know it's it, I had a, but I get like I get when someone says no it's not possible I can understand why it feels good to you to make it possible but like what about say for example when you and I are like choosing paint colors for Maine say we're choosing paint colors for your house and you you want to like look at every possible color combination oh my, my. until you land on the the what it's going to be and so like what could have been maybe like a simple decision becomes a very complex decision because of all the options that you want to leave open it's true. I think we, and I think we can run people ragged. I mean, my contractor said she'd never. And you're in the head triad too, so you're kind of probably enjoying all the, all the, you know, messing it or you know, thinking of all the ways it could go. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my contractor said she's never seen someone put so many paint colors up to sample on a house. Yeah. But she, in the end, actually said it looked amazing, and she thought it was well, worth it. Does, it. It does look amazing. But she said she was very frustrated with the process. Right. And frustrated with me. Yeah. And it's funny, my, so my mom's a seven, right? And she, like me, has never bought a paint sample. Like, we've never, I've never bought a paint sample, and I've never put a paint sample on a wall. I just choose the color and I paint the wall. And she, my mother's like that too. She's extremely, extremely decisive. So I think, like, but I can, I, what, what may be options for you and what may be options for my mother are just different. Well, you know. I can be very decisive in something that I'm an expert at. So if I'm cooking, I don't think I'm an expert at color. You're an expert at color. So in cooking, I can be extremely decisive. And I yeah. know what and I you want. you just roll with it. Oh, and I don't, I don't second guess. And you don't waste time. No. Yeah. We like efficiency. Yeah. But if it's something that I want, um, how, if, if, you know, I've made mistakes with paint and I've put up the wrong color mm-hmm. and I've regretted it. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. So to me, going through the process is efficiency because it's a lot more efficient than repainting the room. Right, right, right. So that's... But I mean, so what about like the part where like you're in the aggressive stance and you believe in your own power and worth and like seven sometimes over believe in their own power and worth and like I guess what I'm trying to get at is like I'm not sure my mom would realize that she's not an expert at something. Like, you know what I mean? Like I think she would just be decisive about everything. My father's like that. He's a seven. He thinks he's an expert on everything so my mother's decisive on everything even things she's not an expert on because she's just decisive and she maybe feels like she's an expert or she just feels like it's right i think i go i think that's where i do the six comes in with me is Mm -hmm. that like that you know um feeling it's like an there and there are times when i like an authority i mean your mom may my father is i don't see any six in him I mean, he seems all Yeah, my mom has zero. And I think I... And I think you want balance that you want to be... You know, if you're seven, you have access to six and eight. And you can... So I think the collaborative, the team, Mm. I can... On some things, I look for an authority, someone who's an expert. That makes me feel safe to be in that... To be held in someone's hands, to be held with that expert. So I like that. Yeah. More than I see with my father. Yeah. I mean, he never... He is... God, like the hubris, like the denial, like he, there's nothing he isn't great at, perfect at. I mean, he's, I think he's a lot less reality based than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, and I, and I like, I'm a team, my dad does everything on his own. He's not a team player. I like to work collaboratively. I like to work with other people. I think that also comes the six, um, where that comes in mm-hmm. for me. That's interesting. 
And I'm picking up more and more on that as I'm getting older. Yeah. And feeling that. There's a lot of good about the six. There's so much. And I'm, I'm really discovering well, that. I think the six the has to... The way you're talking about it right now makes me feel like... Because, you know, I know that I am not so interested in wings, you know. But that said, when I look back at my notes, I, I write so much about how the three my three wing healed me. Like, it heals me, for sure. So maybe... I like the way you're talking about, like, it's almost like medicine. It's like you have six medicine and you have eight medicine. And you can take your medicine. And you need, probably in order to be the best seven, oh, you need a little that. eight medicine and a little six medicine is going to balance you. Absolutely. My daughter has so much six in her and not a lot of eight. And I'm, and we talk about that as, like, you have access to eight. You can be that challenger boss. You can be assertive. You have, you have, you have that power. Yeah. It's available to you. I love that. And 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 when and when she gets in, when she will speak for herself and go down that road, she feel. I mean, it. it and she goes there, and she's like, "I did it." Mm-hmm. And we That's talk great. about that a lot. It means great. Um, to me, it makes so much sense as the the wings. I think it's Red's Hot Hudson or someone who describes the eight wing as the um, as the realist, and the the uh, six wing as the entertainer. Like mm-hmm. Ruby wants to be the entertainer. Right. Right. Oh, that just so some of the the wording for those really makes sense to me but yeah. I do think we have access to both and and through our life it changes and I don't think we're stuck but yeah and it's nice yeah. to see the good part and it's just like the um the stress and security you can access you know I for a long time thought of the stress as you only recognize the negative part but you have access to the good part of your stress number and the bad part so we those are all those are four numbers mm-hmm. where we can really harness easily yeah the good and and see where we're going down you know the negative yeah. but yeah, and Ruby, I guess what you're saying with a strong, you're saying strong six. Six wing. She she definitely likes to keep her options open. It's like socially. Oh, she does not that. like to commit and she will, you know, break plans with people. She loves that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm the opposite. Like if I say I'm going to do it, I may be late, but I'm, <laughs> I will show up. I mean. Yeah. No, I, f- I find that to be true with you. It's, I mean, it's really important. You're, you me. might be late and you might, uh, you might, uh, you know, I might like hear a lot about how it's gonna <laughs> when you're gonna show up. Oh, yeah. not, like, you know, it might be I might be tired by the time I'm, you get no, here. That's true. <laughs> but but you do do it, and and my mother does. My mother shows up. She definitely shows up. But I think but the stereotype I, of a seven is that they don't. Show I know, up. and I think that's not that's that's not. You think it's primarily sexual sevens? I say. You know, my, I mean, my dad is a sexual seven and he, and he shows up, he shows up. I don't, I think, I don't, I think there's some self-pressed sevens who don't show up too. That's true. That's true. You're I think, right. I think social sevens really, if you're a social, you're commit, you, 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 you're community based and you see that we're all relying on each other. So if you want people, if you want to depend on other people, you need to be dependable. You can't exactly. do the social. It does. That instinct doesn't work. Ah, I see what you're saying. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's good, Rachel. That's helpful. As a defensive strategy, planning for the future along the lines of contingency options is intended to enhance life's pleasures by eliminating the problems of boredom and pain. As a child, boredom, there was nothing I feared more than boredom. Yeah. I mean, a, a car ride, I would, I heard another say, seven say this, and I thought it was so funny. We will, in, if we're in the bathroom, we will read the back of a shampoo bottle. Like, we will read, we will do anything. 
to entertain or entertain ourselves. I mean, there's, and I heard another seven say that. I'm like, that's what I do. I mean, it's just impossible just to sit. It's with yourself. Yes. I mean, I was on a plane. And daydreaming is like daydreaming is super. It's super important for empathy. It's super important for imagination and creativity. It's very hard for us. I mean, I was on a plane ride just this weekend, and my phone had died, and I left in a hurry, and I usually always have a book with me, a physical book. Mm -hmm. And my clipboard of my work was stuck above me, and we were about to land. Mm -hmm. So I think there's 15, 20 minutes left, and I made the, I don't know what, the flight attendant, get my bag down and get my clipboard up so I could do work in those last... in the last 20 minutes, the idea of just sitting there for 20 minutes yeah. with nothing to do yeah. felt almost terrifying, like claustrophobic. Like it was like, I was like, I can't do that. I can't just sit there. Wow. You need to read the book I just read called Stolen Focus. It's like about why it's important to just sit there. It, it I mean, it, that's like a child. There's something wrong if you can't sit on a plane for 20 minutes without something to do. Yeah, and that's. That is. <laughs> but I mean, the but it's the book is you know mostly about screens and our kind of our lack our fractured attention. I'm not. I actually I actually prefer planes without with no devices and yeah. you know, can't watch. Your, yeah. I mean, I love to just. You're read really you're really good actually about not being on your screen. Oh no, I don't like. I don't. I really like when I go out to dinner with my husband. I leave my phone at home because I know he, if there's an emergency, the kids can call. I love being free of the phone. Yeah, and I I, I like planes without TV, so I'll just read a book. I mean, I'm. Oh, I like so that's not a problem, but but I need something to do. So it doesn't yeah. have to be a screen, right? But it has to be. I have to have a paper to write. I, I want to write. I want to read. I want to do something. Do you think some of that is like you're knowing yourself well enough to know that if you allowed yourself to have all the screens, you would just be so scattered? You, no, no, it just doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't appeal to you. No. Okay. Not you don't think it's like some sort of subconscious way of taking care of yourself no 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 you just no, don't care you know why you know why i don't like okay because <laughs> i thought about that i just thought that i don't like screens or i don't want to be on social media because that would that's actually to me restrictive that that restricts my freedom i don't want mm. people to be able to contact me all these different ways i don't want to feel accountable that i've got to keep up with some social media like that feels let with freedom when it's I, not I think, freedom it's not freedom I it, feel it, you and I want my freedom yes and so it feels like a uh, like being controlled by that's all so these great, things Rachel you're right that's great but for freedom for a seven is I think almost more than, more important than anything I think it's the main thing it is the main thing I think freedom even more than I mean of course we're avoiding pain but everyone's avoiding pain with their number everyone's avoiding pain with their number exactly but freedom seven we want our freedom I think a hundred percent agree with you and I think that's been really important for me to understand that. Yeah. Even though seven children had this fear in childhood that what a seven tends to do is just remember the best about their childhood. I completely did that. Yeah. It, and it's, it's just, I'm almost 50 years old. I, it, I'm just understanding that. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, we, it's, it's, um, it's just a way to not, it's it's also about the future. Mm-hmm. We're so future oriented. I mean, we are called the futurist. I mean, there are, the eight is a future number, the three and the seven. But we yeah, are labeled. Aggressive. Yeah. But of all of them, of quite a few people describe us as the futurists. Like I think of all I like the that. numbers. I, well, you know why I think that makes sense is because not only are you aggressive and in the future, 
but you're also in the idealism triad. So you're wanting to make the world a better place and you're idealizing into the future. And so you're seeing the possibilities, which makes for a perfect futurist. It's true. And they say yeah. that a lot of futurists, like as a profession, they're often sevens. I mean, it, yeah, it, that makes total professionals. sense. Yeah. So to go backwards into childhood, it, 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 like, it's like, why deal with that? Like you got to move on. Yeah. And it's a, it's also, we don't want to be stuck. If you're stuck dealing with your, all your childhood stuff, you're stuck. That's not free. Right. So it's a, it's a way of being bogged down and it, and it goes back to the freedom thing. Right. But don't you think that like, if you're able to look at the past and see the things that didn't work and that were painful, then you are you able, learn. you we're learn learning. from that. No. Yep. And then it, it shifts how you deal with your future, which actually gives you more freedom because you've, by healing something from the past or shifting something from the past, you're shifting and healing the future and giving yourself more options with relationally. Oh, absolutely. No, the work has to be done. It's, yeah. it's, and, and we're not going to learn about self. It's also the extras of feeling the pain. And so just that alone to just sit there with the pain of remember, like remembering the pain. First of all, like, was there any, I, <laughs> like finding it, remembering it. And then, I mean, so much, with it. so much of a seven is we don't, want to admit that we feel pain because that would feel weak and yeah. so it's this it's this it's being vulnerable like nothing is worse than being vulnerable and we see that as a, a superpower yeah and to give that up is scary yeah and I think we really look down on people who are bogged down by their childhood I mean are, there are people who I'm like you just have to move on but of course for sure that's what I it's so helpful in the Enneagram is I understand now that a lot of things that I do that I think are superior I must say they are <laughs> I they come naturally or easily yeah. to me I'm not there's a balance. Yes, we need to go. We, we need to be in all three. We need to look, remember the past, be in the present, and and the future all together at once, yes. which is really hard to do. Yes. People are always about say be in the present, be in the present. But if you're too in the present, you don't think about the consequences of the future, and you're not remembering what happened in the past, and you're just feeling in the moment. Right. And so that's so that's it's a complicated thing, but we do need to go backwards. But we can really, but the enneagram allows you to understand that a lot of the things that we naturally do. We do them so easily because we were just—it's part of our instinct, and yeah. so it's yeah. so this disdain or of other people really can like dissipate, and you can have so much more empathy for other yes. people when you realize that they're—that's not their strong point, it's and that what we think point. is our strong point is really weighing us down. Yes, what we think is our strong point is also our shadow. Yeah. Yes, and then we have to face it. You have to integrate your shadow. You have to bring your shadow along. So, pro- like schedules and plans and projects rarely move ahead single-mindedly, and every project is sandwiched in between pleasant things to do. <laughs> oh, that's so true. We we yeah. constant. I constantly tell our, we constantly tell ourselves, okay, if you get this done, then you then you'll be able to go on this trip or do this fun thing. We want to reward ourselves, or you can, you know, if you if you don't spend money for this amount of time and save, then you can buy this thing. I mean, it's always yeah. about like how we can reward ourselves. Reward, reward, reward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like a it's a cycle of. It's the way we get through the mundane. The mundane mm-hmm. is so hard. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you switch things? I mean, do you feel like it's hard to stick stick with things? And oh, absolutely. It's yeah, very very difficult. Unless yeah. it's something fun and pleasurable, and or that I'm excited about, and it's yeah. got momentum. Yeah, yeah. We're the idea people, but not the finisher. Right, right. But usually, I would say you know that about yourself, and you're very good at gathering. A, an army of people to finish absolutely for you. Yeah. yes 
And I like And to, that's very shrewd. I mean, because the world needs idea people and it needs the finishers. It does. And, and, and I think needs, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the, what's wrong is when a seven doesn't realize that they are not the finisher and so they make themselves the finisher and they don't finish. And I will Or I guess if yes. you have a lot of finishers and maybe you take too much credit or No, I think or maybe I, I'm not saying you. I'm saying maybe a seven would do I don't know. No, I don't think I think that sounds like more like a three. <laughs> yeah, no, that does. <laughs> they love to take credit. They take the credit, yes. If, even if they didn't do it. I don't think that I mean I want No, give, I've never seen I, I want to give everyone credit because yes. I want them on my team to help me. If I don't yes, give them credit, they're not gonna come back and help me finish. Shrewd. Yes. It's called big picture thinking. Right. And often you know, one thing where I think a seven a lot of where this could be called deception, but I will often say I've done something or I'm gonna do it, even though I haven't. Because I know if I've said it, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna hold myself responsible. I like that. So I that, make yeah. myself, yeah, say it out loud. Yeah. I mean, even simple things like this could be called a lie. Like I'll tell someone I put something in the mail to them, and then I'll know. Okay, you you have to put it. In you the better mail go tomorrow. put it in the mail. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I put it, in, and I'll make myself, and I'll, and it's a way for me to hold myself accountable. So you yeah. could call that a lie. I have not put it in the mail, right. but I will once I've said it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But that, you know, you could that could be. Could be in trouble with the ones with that one, with the, the judging yeah. ones. <laughs> may not like it. They may not like, but maybe they wouldn't know. But I don't know. They would. They would probably know. The idea is to keep a lot of options open. You could go to volleyball. You could dress and see a movie. You could bike into the country for the day. The best part is when they're all in the same time frame. I've, I've experienced that a lot with sevens. You go with the one that has the most pull. And you stay until the next one starts to call. I've gone to a movie, paid my money, gotten as far as buying popcorn, and then left for something else just because I felt the twinge of boredom and it didn't feel right. Oh, it's so sad. And it's so sad. <laughs> Often we'll be somewhere. We've worked hard to get somewhere. We really thought we were going to enjoy it. And we can't even be in the moment enjoying it because we're just thinking about the next thing we're going to do. Right. And, and it's almost absurd. You're like, what? Just you... Yeah. Just sit here and enjoy what you work so hard for. Right. Right. And we're just planning the next thing. Right. And it's... Which feels... feels. I mean, it's the pain avoidance hustle. But but it's... Yeah, it's just causing more psychic pain, ultimately. Yes. Yes. And if I... And I really don't like to know about a movie or much about something if I'm going to be disappointed. Because if I build something up and then it doesn't meet that expectation I'm miserable yeah expectation is everything for me yeah and so if I'm over if, if I'm you know so over, do you catch do you know knowing that about yourself do you try to keep your expectations low I mean y'all have such high expectations it's almost impossible yeah but it's just the way you're wired it's the way we're wired but I try I try to that's I why try I guess to, it's great to be surprised by things because then you don't have time Oh, I know. To go, if, if someone like tells someone me, just comes and grabs you and says, and you don't even know what's happening. That's probably the best. If they've got a really great taste and high level of, <laughs> yes, if, if I trust them. But we, we I yeah. mean, I like to, because I don't want to be disappointed, mm-hmm. I want to control a lot of what I do. Right. And I know from birthdays or other things, I just plan, I just do everything myself. I don't want to count on other people because I don't want to be disappointed. Right. And so I just know what it's important to me and I just do it myself. Yeah. But if someone's built up like a movie and said how amazing it is, and then I go see it, and it's not as great as 
I think, you know, they, I'm so miserable. But if I go into a movie and don't know anything about it and it's better than I, I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting much and that was a great movie. And then I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's kind of a ridiculous, like, game you're playing with yourself. Yeah. And then how unsatisfied we can be is is, is, is sad. But we also, we're also very grateful. I mean, I think there's a lot of, gra- I think sevens can have a lot of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And when things do go well. But, but well, they're good. They're good cheerleaders, and they're good encouragers, and they're good at uh, noticing um, how well things are going. You know, so that can feel that can feel like gratitude, right? I mean, do you think you feel you actually feel deep gratitude? I feel like I do. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I think I do. That's good. That's so good. Um, I think gratitude comes easy to us because it's a positive feeling. It's a positive feeling. So I don't think it's hard to feel gratitude. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It's an easy way. It's like, again, like, yeah. we're, we're like, why are other people not so full of gratitude? I think we're, it's just easy for us. You know, we want, yeah. we want to feel that happiness. We want to feel, because gratitude, that is one thing, you know, when you feel gratitude, you feed, it feeds your own soul. Like it makes yeah. you happy. So it's a, it's a wonderful, so it's like a win-win. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think you need a lot of gratitude from other people? I like it. Yeah. It's definitely to be acknowledged. Yeah. 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 Have your work uh, praised and all that kind of stuff. Not, uh, you know, my friend who's a three, she said she's a three, she she needs to hear it three times. I definitely don't need to hear it three times. In fact, that would make me uncomfortable and and sounds inefficient. Mm -hmm. But I don't think think a lot. I think just a, a few words. It doesn't have to be much. Yeah. Because I think as a seven, we'll take, if you just say a little bit of nice, we'll make it into something, we'll exaggerate it yeah. into something bigger. So That's we don't right. need a lot. That's right. That's right. It's so true. It, it's just a, just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit of, of encouragement. Yes. From other people. Yeah. And all along the way. I mean, as far as what I mean by that is if you're working hard and you're doing, you're trying to transform yourself, then it's important for the people who love you to kind of drop little encouraging things along the way to keep you going, right? Yeah, it helps. Yeah. And yeah. It helps. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, let's see. The attraction to talk and intellectualizing could also be seen as replacing action with words, which is kind of interesting because, I mean, y'all are so full of action. And in fact, sevens report that they would rather, much rather brainstorm than be limited to the drudgery of work. So that actually, that makes sense. That, okay. Which kind of goes back to you saying you're the idea, not the finisher. Yes. Yeah. We... Yeah. Except when you're cooking, you're, you're all of it. Yes. But it, <laughs> even with cooking, it took me a long time to love. When I first started cooking, I wanted to take shortcuts mm-hmm. and I, I didn't want to do anything that, that seemed like too much work. Mm-hmm. And then somehow, because I got so good at it, I found joy yes. in in that. And Just so, savoring it. And even process. doing more by hand. I mean, I want to grind. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, using less machines, it's, it's so much pleasurable. But that's because I turned it into something pleasurable. But I had to have a shift. Yeah. And and then the better I got at it, the more it, it was rewarding. So there was, a, we love the reward. So when yeah. you get a lot... Of, and the cooking, I get so much positive feedback. So it's like yes. taking those extra steps just like builds upon itself and builds yes. upon itself. You have taken your sevenness and all of that option making and poured it into how you develop food. So your recipes and the way you approach cooking is like jam-packed with options. Like each and every step has so many. Oh. You know, like your gumbo is 
so layered. I mean, that's the main, I would say the number one thing you've taught me is the layering of, the layering of flavor. So you, the complexity, you, you build you and build. build, you take this flavor over here and you create it. Then you create this other one, and then you create this other one, and then you create the, you have all these different complex flavors that you develop, and then you kind of bundle them all up at the end, and, yeah, and, and it keeps it all fresh and bright. You taught that's the, my favorite thing you taught me. Well, but you know, I just read this, and I wish I read remember who said it, but that sevens, and I've always thought this was my secret gift, and that I've said this about <laughs> myself, and that kind of it can be frustrating is when I read something about a seven, I'm like, oh wait, I thought that was just me. I'm uh, I'm so special, uh, but. They, whoever wrote, I can't remember, it said that sevens can taste, because we're so in our mind that we can taste ingredients in our mind, which is she, exactly she, like, she, Helen talks about she it. She said, I, yeah. that, she, yes. Helen said that. Yeah, Helen, it's in this chapter. Oh my, I, I yeah, like, I'll read it. I'll I read have it. thought that my whole life, and I thought that was just my gift that I can. Yeah, I think it's why you liked her so much, is because she actually used food as a thing. Well, and champagne. I mean, the, the combo is like food and champagne is. Is like somewhere, some somewhere she talks but about. But you it. could list five ingredients and just say them out loud, and I can taste them in my head. I love that. I can my mother can too. My mother can taste ingredients in her head. It. I just thought it was me. I was like, yeah. is this <laughs> Can you I find wonder, the quote? I will. I think we'll get to it. Okay. We'll find it. So, I, so there's a fear of going too deeply into any one thing, which is masked by a fascination with many things. The attraction to pleasure is seen as a positive flow when in fact it masks a flight away from pain. So, yeah. I mean, that's I think one lesson for the seven, and I think I've been good at this, is to find we are good at so many things, but if you don't spend the time to become an expert in something, you'll never, you'll never have as much joy and yeah. you'll never have as much success in what yeah. you do. And so to just find... And people won't take you seriously. Exactly. So yeah. stick with one thing, even if it's hard, because sometimes it is hard, because you're, you, it's easy to, to get the... the accolades from so many things right and but that's not going to get you anywhere so just stick with one thing it's good so good sevens have been cast as charlatans because they are attractive and want people to adore them that's what you were saying earlier they raise the expectation of others who may not be used to flowers charm and sharing the very best of times sevens want to be adored by interesting people but are easily bored by repetition especially in the cold light of day their self-absorption really shows when last night's interlude is forgotten. The new friend calls and the seven has forgotten the lover's name. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, her use of the word charlatan, which I think maybe Naranjo came up with that word for sevens. And that was much discussed on the when Lee and I did the Naranjo book. That's, that's a, yeah, that's a tough word. It's a tough word. But there was a different definition of it. There was well, some... I was telling you about the T.S. Eliot poem of the gift of the Magi and that he uses the word like a, a wise man as a futurist. You could say he's a biblical futurist and he uses the word charlatan. And so I do think there's an aspect to it that is about that futurist thinking and that kind of idealizing of the world and that kind of magic making and that champagne and the blood of the veins but it's also the dark side of all of that that I just said is that it's there's delusion and there's dishonesty, you know. And there's a, the storytelling is a big part of, of a seven. Yeah. And just wanting to like weave the most magical story for everyone to enjoy. Right. You know, and, and that goes back to being the entertainer. Right. 
you know, especially Robin Williams was was a seven. Yeah, I and believe. I, I think about him. It's so sad. And yeah. Really, just to see that performance and yes. that magic, and and then, it, you know, that all the anxiety. You know, there was that. It's that idea of that smile on that face, but deep down there was just so much darkness. Yeah. Yeah. High levels of stimulation can be used for escapist purposes, but also motivates intellectual curiosity and creative search. So, uh, this is a seven talking who says when she has strong reactions to other people, she has learned to take a closer look. So, when I uh, meet somebody and they seem particularly stupid, hopeless, boring, I know enough to take another look. How could a good friend suddenly look that bad? How could I be contemptuous of someone who only yesterday seemed so smart? What comes up is that I'm not totally right, that I must be totally off. And when I'm left with seeing them as really superior and myself as nothing in my own eyes. But I think it's some... Um, so self-worth, she goes on to say, self-worth can be inflated by chronic indulgence in the best things to do. Yes, yes. When sevens line up activities back to back, leaving no time in between the components of an interesting life. When attention flits compulsively between several interesting options, a seven is on the run. I thought, but I thought that was interesting that, and that's probably good work for a seven, is when you notice that there's someone in your life, so I think she's not just talking about meeting someone at a party. She's talking about someone she trusts, someone she has a relationship with, and suddenly she feels annoyed, bored, contemptuous. We can have disdain. And that she's noticed to pay attention to that and realize that probably what that feeling is telling her is that she might be wrong about something. So I think that's interesting. It's also that it's like a little flag. Yes, I think she's learned to to notice. I think with sevens too, if we in a friendship situation, we can if something's off putting to us, it may be painful. Then we want to exit, and we exactly. I have to try to remember the person for their entirety. Yes, and that's going into the past. Yes, and I'm really working on that. Like when I'll get hurt by someone, and I'm just like, it's over. I can't handle this. I'm like, look at the breath of what this person because I'm a seven, we usually get a lot of people to do a lot of stuff for, you know. We, yes, like, yes. I'm like, how can you, you know, yes, that was probably not right, and I think I'm right, and I probably mm-hmm. am right, or I think I'm right, but I'm trying so hard to, rem- to see people as in their entirety and not as just this one thing that it's mostly about pain. I don't want to feel the pain, and so right. I want to walk away from the whole thing. Right, right. And, and I think the reverse is also true, so I, I feel like... There can be, my mom can be in a relationship with someone who's very complicated and causes her a lot of pain. And if she's having a happy moment with them in that moment, then she clings to that moment and makes it kind of bigger than it is. And she overemphasizes it. And it's like, oh, they're great. I think she's in a good place now. And I think she's done some work on herself. And I think everything's good now. And I think we're good. And she's good. And she makes it into this big thing and only to experience what's kind of more so it's more like what you're saying is that when you're in a bad moment with a friend if you can remember the entirety of them which means looking into the past then you have a more balanced view of them whether it's a negative present moment or a positive present moment both yeah, that, both no i think you're right it can go either way yes and we can we forgive very easily yeah but we don't cuz you forget. want to oh we want to cuz we don't we want, want to feel to the pain so badly. So we, right and we, 
so we can move on from something and then not remember all, not want to think and about that it. can and that can cause future pain for the seven yes because they've kind of maybe forgiven something that maybe they don't need to forgive and or maybe they've like glossed over their relationship with someone too quickly and too easily to avoid pain only for that person to come back and do the very same thing to them again and again and again. No, I, I, yeah. think, I think both can be true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's again about not remembering the past, not dealing yes. with the past. So, so good. it can go both ways. So good. Sevens assume that they can talk their way around anybody who happens to get in the way. <laughs> they will stay with positive alternatives without shifting into doubt and are particularly good when a project is in the idea stage as we've talked about or in a go-ahead phase sevens can become insistent about an interesting but impractical idea i definitely think that's true there's a substitution of ideas and theory for the drudgery of practical hard work and a tendency to look down on those who have a lesser vision so i think sometimes Sometimes that works to a seven's benefit in that they can see outside the boundaries of what, where everyone else is working and create this better thing. But sometimes it's like if someone says no to a seven in the middle of a project, they'll do all kinds of pra- impractical things just to to get the yes. Yes, and to be right. We and like to, to be right. We don't like to, yes. Just and to in prove. the meantime, causing all kinds of trouble. Yeah. But then it can work. We can be visionary about things. And, visionary, yes. And make things happen that are almost impossible that no one else... So true. No one else can do. I mean, I've, and get people... And I think that that energy can be, like, palpable and, like, you can build, you know, in the... You know, some of the political work I've done, like, it's like people just want to be part of it so then you can get the team can... The, yeah. That social seven can... We can just... Y'all can... You can get people to do all kinds of things and you can get... And part of it's being a cheerleader because we're yeah. encouraging other people, and, yep. and we want them to see our vision, and then we want them to, and we, and and this idea that we want the world to be a better place yeah. for 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 everyone, for everybody, yeah. Because well, but but it pretty good. So it's just selfish. If the world's a better place, then we get to enjoy it. So really, it always comes down to us. Well, but that's fair enough, you know. And, well, to be at a to be with people who are happy makes us happy. I mean, so re- but the selfish just factor and the narcissism. I mean, understanding narcissism is like there's like pathological narcissism and then there's narcissism not that you know you got to keep it in check right right so she talks about idealism and futurism and kind of that freedom piece so a seven you do your thing and i'll do mine really means that the sevens are free agents responsible to themselves alone it also connotes get off my back don't tell me what to do that's so, a funny story a friend of mine who's a seven mm-hmm. we were gonna carpool to a party and she said something like, I don't, I don't really want to carpool because I like to, you know, be able to leave when I want to leave. And I was like, oh, no, we should ride together. That seems more efficient. And then I called her back right before we got about to leave. I was like, no, I want, to, I want to leave when I want to leave, too. Like, we want an exit strategy. Yeah. We want a way to get out. Again. Yeah. And we do want to leave the party before it's over and while it's still at, like, the height. We don't want to be the... The last one struggling. I mean, unless it's really great. But yeah. we, we want... Phys- there's, like, a physical feeling of... I want to be able to get have my freedom. I want to be able to yeah. escape. I mean, even when it comes but, to like planes, like I will always take the direct flight because I'd rather get in the car and drive three or four hours because that feels free to me. For I sure. I don't want to be stuck. I, I, I relate to that. But I get one thing I've noticed with sevens is they offer a lot of, they can 
So it goes two ways. They can offer a lot, people around them a lot of freedom because that's what they want for themselves. So when, when she says, you do your, your thing and I'll do mine, and, you know, I feel like I have sevens in my life who never, ever judge anybody else because they don't want to be judged, right? So there's that. It's kind of almost like the more a seven is misbehaving, the more freedom they give everybody around them. So Ruby like Ruby feels like that. And I'm the opposite. I think I've got the more judging. I go to one, and I've, I've got a lot of that. I want to hold people accountable. Also, the social Right, instinct. so I think there's this real... There's a real interesting polarity between the seven who's wants the freedom to to kind of a pathological degree, and so they just let everybody off the hook. And then there's the seven that wants their way, and they want to be right, and they don't let anyone off the hook. That would be me. Yeah. But do you? I wonder if sevens can kind of flow between those two places, or do you think? What do you think? Probably depending on what it is, but yeah. a little bit. But I, I see a big difference between Ruby and I in that, in that she wants, you know, all the freedom and she wants to be around people who are indulgent because that gives her free will. And I, I want, I think it's a social instinct versus a sexual. Then what about self prize though? I don't, I mean, I, ha- I think, I mean, if I have a self-pressed friend who I think is very, she's she likes everybody to have their freedom so that she can have hers, and most that's her the, way of self-preserving. Yeah, most of the self-pressed sevens I know not many. Um, they they want they want you do you, I'll do me. I mean they're not yeah. they're not trying to hold anyone accountable, but they do not, and they don't want to make plans and they don't want to commit. Right. I mean, my father-in-law is I think a self-pressed seven, and you cannot he will not make a plan. Right. And no commitment. And right. he doesn't expect it of you either. Right. Or I, I actually, exactly. I like, I want a commitment. I want people to do what they say they're going to do because I, I, I want, you I want mean, a lot of it's about people. my, fr- about also my fun. Like I want yeah. to, I see Ruby doesn't like to schedule her fun and neither does a self press people. I, know. I want to schedule my fun mm-hmm. and I don't want to miss out on it. So I want to know that it's going to happen because I don't want to be sitting home alone. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I've read, sevens are actually have an introverted and extroverted side. But, you know, we want to stay. We need some time. We need downtime alone to recharge our batteries so we can be on for everybody. Right. Or on for ourselves. Right, right. Yeah, my mother sort of takes Saturdays to, to stay at home and read. She's been doing that since... That's good for a seven. That's good. Here's your, here's your, I found it. Here's your paragraph. Oh my God. A great deal of a seven's pleasure is in the planning and anticipation of events. Future events are savored mentally as sweet images that become as tangible and believable as tables and chairs. For example, the best part of a meal is often before the food is served because all the delicious combinations can be tasted with the mind. That's ing- I can't believe she wrote that. Yeah. It's like she stole my she stole my line. It's so great. I, it's but, but so you know great. You know what's so sad for the sevens, I just realized this, is we work so hard to have all this fun and then we move on from it and just forget it. And we just we can't even we can't even savor and we will create these wonderful experiences for, for ourselves everybody. and for others. Yeah. And when it's over, it's over and it's just move on to the next. And so but all that hard work is kind of down the drain. I mean, I just realized that. Like, it's just... We're what just do you chasing think, the next thing. What do you think is a way to be present to the metaphorical meal that you've created? I mean, in your case, it's like 
what what could you do to be more present to the meal, the literal meal you've actually created, the literal dinner party, the literal party, well, literal. but also just like if we're using this metaphor as life as a meal that we're savoring, um, and all of the textures and flavors and passion that goes into life as this buffet. Let's say, what what do you? Well, the how week, can how the, can okay, you be more present? To slow to? down, and that's our work is to be like a five. So I will make a meal, and it's a one-time thing, never to be had again. And I won't even slow down to write down what this brilliant thing I've supposedly done that everyone's going to love, and they can't ever have it again. Right. Part of it's about expectation. You don't mm-hmm. want to ever disappoint. So if you, you say to someone, well, you can't ever have that again. It was a one-time thing. Then no one's holding you up to some standard. Yeah, I don't like to take, I don't even it. like to take the time to take pictures or write something down about anything because that... We're, we're running so much, so we just need to slow down. If we would just yeah. stop and allow ourselves to recreate that thing or allow ourselves to reflect. I mean, once something happens, I don't even sometimes like to look at pictures from the past because I don't maybe it won't be it as great as sad, I thought. Yeah, there's a sadness, sad. there's a sadness to it. And I just yeah. am, makes me super sad. But Andy, he loves pictures and photographs and bundling them and putting them together. I mean, he lives so much in the past mm-hmm. as a five, my husband. Um, yeah. But it's just... But I think that's sad that I don't, why well, don't I want to sit with it and look at it? Maybe for the good and the bad and enjoy it and just stop. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, ru- it's hard to stop at seven. Of, Even if you get in, literally physically in their way and say, okay, I want you to stop and enjoy this and sit with it. But we're not learning. They're, the, just, they're like, no. No, and we're not learning the good and the bad from our past. Right. Whether it's cooking or whatever we're good at, we don't want to see it again. You know, right. I, I think of like movie stars who don't watch their films. That's that would be a seven thing, ha, 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 yeah. Because it maybe there's something to learn. It would it, it it's just it'd be there one painful thing about one thing that you don't like about it would be enough to be like I, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. It's a discipline of that too, don't you think? Like of writing. Don't you think like if you were to be writing the recipe down as you made the thing, it would take some of the fun out of it. It would take some fun. Out of it. And also, I love the magic of, like, I, can you do it again? Like, the pressure yeah. of of just what can you make in the moment with let's, no little time, these ingredients. You know, it's like, yeah. it's such, it's such, it's such, there's a thrill. Yeah. This, I mean, it it's crazy what we will do or what I will do to make things as difficult as possible. And then, procrast- I mean, the procrastination is a thing for me that is so debilitating and hard. And it's like a heavy blanket that just weighs over you, weighs over you. And then you, you won't, you won't take the blanket off and just get it done and you just yeah. wait and then there's this rush when you think you've outrun it but you haven't and and then I can't imagine like what it does to you physically like the stress of all of it but you know they say sevens I mean literally um, that we this Peter Pan syndrome that we don't really age because we're not holding on to any pain so we often mm. do look younger even for a longer period of time because we haven't we don't want to deal with anything stressful so our bodies kind of reflect that that's fascinating. And my I mean, father is. If in you his think 80s. about like the biology of belief and those kind of books that I've been reading lately, um, like what is that your, makes sense? What I mean, does your makes, mother look like for her? Age? She looks amazing. You've my seen fa- her. Yeah, my father is in his eighties, and he looks, looks like she, she's eighty. She's eighty, and she looks amazing. No, it's incredible. And I think yeah. it's because we're not holding on to any pain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that actually it matters. It matters. It matters what you believe in. So even if you're delusional. Your your if your delusions are happy and good, it's gonna your body is gonna. Oh, my father says he's I mean, never sick and he hardly ever is. He just pretends. Yeah. He just wills it away. 
Yeah, I mean, it must be said, though, that my mom has had two cancers, and so her body did something with some repressed pain, clearly. I mean, you know. That's possible. It's possible. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's all debatable, but... I think people want... It's interesting, too, in, in your last salon thing. I think people mm-hmm. want sevens to suffer. I'm not, oh, like, in your gosh. La- no, I don't. I'm not saying you, but in the last... I don't want the, them to the suffer. Last, I just want them to... I'm not saying you, but uh, yeah. it, it triggered someone in the last thing you had where they're like, I think sevens are the loneliest. Everyone was like... I think I said that. I think I said sevens are lonely. No, it was the other... Uh, what's her name? Um, well, it doesn't matter the, who said it, but... It, I don't think we are... You don't think we, you're lonely. No. You were very quick. You were quite quick to say, no, I'm not. You no, know? I mean, I, I think I build a whole life to make sure I'm not lonely. Well, I'm just saying I think there might be something to that. So if you're building a whole life in order to not be lonely and you need the, the stewardess to get the suitcase out for the 20 minutes of the flight, there's maybe you don't feel lonely, but if your work is to slow down and sit with yourself... Is there a fear that you might, like, you might be lonely? Or if you slow down, I mean, it doesn't have to be lonely. It could be something else. But it's like, I what, mean, what we, are you going to find there? Maybe What we need, is there? Maybe loneliness would get us to a better place of, self, of work and pain. And maybe we need to be lonely. But I think we build a life to not be lonely. Right. But I, I, I just wonder if there's a connection between building a life in order not to be lonely and a kind of what Naranjo would call an ontic loneliness, like an existential loneliness. Um, I definitely think there's a fear of loneliness. Yeah, so I'm just saying, I think in the waters of that dance, right, that we're talking about, there's there's something. There's something. I think there's there has to be something in the nugget of the really uh, rapid movement in order to, to escape loneliness. There has to be something in there, you know. Um, there could be. I mean, I'm, I'm going, you know, thinking about my dad and Ruby and maybe, and maybe me to some extent I do do this. I mean, my friend, one of my best friends, she's always telling me that when it comes to my own pain, I don't want to talk about it. I'll talk about everyone else's pain. Right. But some sevens don't want to talk about other people's pain. Yeah, right. And I like to talk about other people's pain if I can solve the, if I can, <laughs> if you can solve it. If I can solve it. Um, <laughs> but I like intimacy. I want, I want I want people to need me. And yes. and so that feeling, you know, is important to me, but I do think it, I've thought about other sevens who don't want to have to sit with pain or sit with other people's pain and they're losing out on real intimacy and that seems lonely to me to to have this cuz a lot of sevens are and I, of course, think, don't think this of me, but that they're mm-hmm. on the superficial level all the time. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to get down into the muck of the painful stuff. And that is that that seems lonely to me because you're you're not really having that integrated, yeah. like, real, real deep connection with someone. But yeah. I think I do want that. And I, tr- I think I try to get it, even though maybe I'm not really giving it. Maybe I'm trying. I'm, my friends all often tell me that I'll take it that, from them, but I won't really express it for myself. You want to express my pain or my I'll right. say oh let's talk about that another time I don't even realize right. I was doing it right like, okay I, I'm I don't have the energy to talk about that now but I'll talk about it later oh yeah you do it all the time I didn't even know I was doing that and you set things up so that you can rush in and rush out so that it kind of you can avoid it you know but sometimes I'll talk about what I'm feeling or yeah something that's upsetting yeah I have to be in the right mind frame I have to be really like ready to like it's hard to catch that mind frame 
It's hard to catch it. Gotta, gotta, I gotta work to get it. <laughs> That's true, but I, I think there are times when I really want to share and talk about my pain, but I have to. Everything has to be have to be able to like absorb it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, a bow, like a bowling ball, like I'm like I'm bracing for a bowling ball to hit me or something. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, what is the bowling ball? Pain. I mean, like um, some concept of pain and vulnerability, or being vulnerable, or letting people know that I feel that I can feel. I think we spend so much time trying not to feel, and that feels that feels like power. That feels like control, freedom. Yeah, I think that. I think that there's a in the city I think not- the ways in which control feels like freedom is kind of the crux of the problem, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. If they could be disentangled, that would be helpful, I think. Sevens do not live in real life relationships because their minds are so easily flooded with the mental associations and imaginative ideas that their relationships suggest. I don't know how you feel about that sentence, but I feel that's I feel that very strongly with my mother. So, I guess, in other words, it's a little bit like what you were saying earlier, which I think is really brilliant about seeing someone as a whole person, backwards, forwards, and present, both the negative and the positive, and then that allows you to be in a real life relationship as opposed to what she calls mental associations and imaginative ideas that that relationship suggests. So in other words, I feel like my mother's always in, it's almost like she's having a relationship with an idea. Like the person is an idea I think of, of what yes. she thinks that person is. And so she's can talk and talk and talk and have all kinds of ideas and thoughts and what energy around that idea of that, of what that relationship is. I think particularly, say, with my father. I think we do ideas. Her marriage is an idea. And she's absorbed many, many uh, ideas that uh, culture has given us about what marriage should be, right? And so she's absorbed all that, and that's just like, you know, that's just what her marriage is, because that's what a marriage should be. And that's, and so... Well, it's, it's, like, it's almost like get, everything starts to get archetypal or like symbols of things and you're like I don't know it gets pretty abstract sometimes no that makes sense and I think this I think it goes back to that idealized triad yeah. and yeah. I wonder if I wonder if ones and fours also do that oh I think I probably do I think I I, I, I romanticize things and I don't um, a lot of ones, my feelings I overfeel. And my feelings, it's like, so it's interesting because I think y'all are doing it in your head. Mm -hmm. You're constructing this concept of what the person or the relationship is. And so there's a lot of busyness around that construction. And I think I'm over here busily feeling it. So it's very different, but it's it's kind of the same ultimately in that I'm blinded by that. And I think one, a lot of ones I know in relationships are do not, I don't think they're seeing things clearly in the relationships they're in. And they have, they're holding on to something. So there's probably a, but, a bodily but, or instinctual flooding that's happening in a one's body. Especially that the social. That is not necessarily 
related to reality. Uh, our friend, the one who we were just talking to, described it as being hyper vigilant to or preparing constantly for people abandon not abandoning her. That would be my word. Betraying her mm. or letting her down. So well, and the social she, one wants to set a perfect example. So whatever's going on, they may not. They don't want to deal with it often because it, that would. Even if it's not perfect, they want everyone to think it's perfect because they're yeah. setting this example for the world. Yeah. And so that's where I've seen a lot of delusion in relationships with that. So I, I see what you're saying. So we're talking about this idea maybe being a, a quality of the, of the idealization, I think the so. idealizing triad 147 is kind of symbols and concepts that we believe in or we believe how it should be overriding the reality of the yes. the gritty present. Yes, I think that's, that's true. Really interesting. I think Helen's descriptions, I, I, I don't know that I've de- dug into, I've been listening to, to your stuff about it, but the ones of the seven, I mean, no one has described a seven or in ways that I could relate to as much as she does. I think that particularly those two sentences, the one about champagne in your veins and the one about the beginning of a meal oh. being the best part. And and for me particularly. But did you find her descriptions of the were the things that you clung on to as a four that were as juicy? Well those for me, those two, I agree with you that those two like really stand out for me in this chapter. And those are my favorite parts. Like I actually oddly find this chapter less of an aha chapter for me than some of the other ones, but as a which four is surprising. The, but as a four, were there, were there any aha things where you're like, oh, I, that's exactly... The, the, oh, so many. Like, so I many. found the four chapter to be just chock full of, uh, of, the, of the way she put it was so perfect and succinct. Mm-hmm. She definitely has a way with words. She's, she's very precise with her language. Which and she it it it's a visual like you get a, a visual vision of what she's describing, which to me is very helpful. Yeah, or sensory too. Vision senses like this. It's all, all combined. And she's impressive. Yeah, she's good. She's good. That yep. was good. Thank oh, you good. so much. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, we could go on and on. I, I think that's enough. Oh yeah. No. I think you're you're. I mean, you are doing. A lot of work and I think you're you have an awareness that very few sevens have and I think I'm I just think it, it you, so because of that you're able to kind of put language around what you're up to that I think a lot of sevens are not able to so it's very helpful thank you oh sure but I don't I don't think I know yeah without this this uh I think for sevens in particular the Enneagram is is harder because we're not because of the narcissism because we're inside of ourselves mm-hmm. we're not listening to people because we're thinking of the next thing we're going to say we're not observing like the five is observing mm-hmm. the four is feeling mm-hmm. you know a lot of other numbers well all the feeling numbers have I think an advantage that the seven doesn't have I mean the five the six I think is planning I mean there I just feel like we we need it. I, I mean, that's everybody needs it, but it just seems like sevens need it more. That, that we're not self-aware, like living in our own mind, drinking our own Kool-Aid. <laughs> just <laughs> it's a very impressively elaborately constructed reality, um, and it and can. It, can be a beautiful one 
And when things are going well, everyone wants to be in that reality with you. No, I think the world would be a sad place without sevens. I mean, oh, totally. I mean, it would be. It, just, it would be. It would be. But we want to think that. We always want to think that we're bringing something. Some I, I, I think the main thing that, you know, and you and I talk about this all the time, is that to get a seven to believe that we actually want them to, to, mm, that's how, I was going to say do the work, but, but also to like that. I, if a seven stops entertaining me or if a seven stops being fun, we, we really are fine with that. You as a four maybe, but not everyone is. Maybe not everyone, but a lot of numbers but, when they do their work, there's a lot of pushback. Right. But, but I think what I do believe is that the pushback that a seven gets when they start to do their work is coming from the lack of trust that I was talking about earlier that's already in the relationship based on the seven's past behavior. So the seven has set, set up a certain dynamic and created a certain lack of trust and a certain lack of personal responsibility. Then they start to do the work and it kind of gives the people in their life this feeling like, oh, well, now I'm going to kind of <laughs> respond to all this stuff. And, and, and then the seven, I think, gets impatient. And I think either wants everybody just to move on with them as quickly as they're moving on with themselves. Or they want to just get through that, transfer, that kind of transformation very quickly and have it have the past just go away and have it not inform the present and so it's easy it's in some ways I think a lot of sevens will just like well you don't want us to change because you're responding to us this way but I think it that response in and of itself is kind of a way the seven is not integrating past present and future you know what I mean and so then it's like ah fuck it I'm just going to go back to I'm not saying you, but I think right, a lot of no. sevens just use that as an excuse to just go back to doing what they were doing. No, I think I think we don't even realize we go back. We we we. It's like falling off the wagon. It's like we don't. We just we. It's hard. And we all we all. I think every single one of us are falling off the wagon. Of our. I don't think, but it's like we don't falling off the wagon is a, a way of saying just slinking back into our our um, habits and our compulsions. Right, and we don't that really, we, yeah. but, um, I, and maybe other numbers too, but I think often we're like trying, 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 and then we it's like a slow drip, and then we just go back. Exactly. And then... So the slow drip is pain, right? Yes. I mean, and so that's that's the only way. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only way to keep keep it going is to... Is to sit with the slow drip I mean, of, of things shifting and right. changing it's hard slowly. I mean, you think about like okay the one their anger so anger you know you, you don't want to be angry I mean that's an easy one okay like and yeah. stop holding resentment like that's a very mm. easy thing like just to say you know if you just to just have told anyone like stop being angry and stop being resentful and that's like logical like okay yeah do that yeah the two if you're prideful like be humility is good everyone should have humility right mm-hmm. okay the three self-deception vanity you know, don't lie to yourself. That sounds great. You know, like right. the four envy is not good. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. Five, um, avarice. I mean, yeah, you're stingy greediness. Like that's not good. Well, yeah. the seven, it's like having fun, gluttony, feel pain. Like 
why? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Lust is also like you could, I could, I could say also (laughs) lust maybe the other one where you're like, I mean, but lust sounds so, um, like you're taking advantage of, I don't know. Like lust doesn't, I mean, gluttony does sound about being obese, corpulent, that's gross. But like, so there's negative associations, like being a sloth, but, but to tell someone, okay, your work to do is to feel pain. That is like, I don't know. That's hard. That's a hard, it's a harder pill. It feels like a harder pill to swallow. Yeah. Than some of the other ones, but maybe it's just what we. I think I think we all think that about what our, our work own. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't you say that sevens have a harder time? I I sort of think. Uh, you know, I could I could be totally wrong about this, but my experience is that that sevens that quality that Helen talks about of surrounding yourself with people who are or who all, are drinking the champagne in your veins. And when someone mirrors something to you that they don't like about the way things are going or the reality that you're in, you dismiss it. That setup right there makes it really hard to see things differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that could maybe also be said of threes and eights. Like maybe, maybe I believe that aggressive numbers might might have a harder time with transformational work. I might, I might say that. I, that, I, I would, I could see that because we, we, there's just like confidence and I don't know if it's real confidence because it's always like kind of a false, even eight. Like, I don't know that there's real confidence there, but there's this idea that we yeah. can just make things happen and do everything on our, we don't need to do, to like self-reflect or do any work because we just know what's best and can make it happen. All right. Um, but the aggressive, yeah, the aggressive is hard. I mean, so there was someone else I know. But I mean, as I as I was saying, like Nathaniel and I literally sit on the porch drinking coffee and say we have a lot to learn from aggressive numbers. Like well, I feel the, as a withdrawing number that aggressive numbers have a lot to teach me about valuing myself. And if I can value myself, then I have less envy. You know, so there's 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 a lot for me to learn from three sevens and eights. A lot. So, I mean, I may sound like I'm sitting here like harshing on y'all, but no, I'm, no, I'm no. not. Well, I'm we, not. I need to withdraw more. I mean, we all need, we all right. need to do that. We all like, learn from each other, and then right, ultimately, I, from we but learn. Sevens from all are supposed of them. to like if you're supposed you're supposed to take action. We're supposed to feel. We're supposed to feel, but <laughs> eights are, but the, that's not about the aggressive numbers. So, what are we? As far as the like, if you're withdrawing aggressive, and then. Dependent? Are we supposed to? Are we? Are you supposed to be more aggressive, and I'm supposed to be more drawing? I think you could say that. And what is the dependence supposed you to be? You could also. I mean, I, I think maybe a balance of all of those things. I mean, the dependent stance, kind of like looking, looking outward to to to, to check, like to get what they need from something over there. Well, they need to do. So that there's themselves like feel more. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a neat way to tie that up, but I think balance of those three things is probably really crucial. And honestly, I'm not. I'm not looking at the like when I say that. It's easy for me to say aggressive numbers have a lot to teach me, and not even think about what dependent numbers have to teach me. But the reality is, so I go to two in stress, and like, but as Suzanne says, there's like. You get, she thinks, I can't remember what her exact sentence is, but something about like you get healed from your stress number or something like that. And 
And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And she's like, well, you know, a four, they're so inward. And so a two, that two, that dependent energy teaches a, a four, I think, to basically get out of your own ass. Just get lift your eyes up to the world and embrace the world and see that you're not, that your specialness comes from being connected to everybody, not from being your little special self by yourself, right. but being dependent on the whole community and kind and of doing subverting, things, yeah. sub, kind of subverting your specialness, honestly. Yeah, it's funny that two think they're special too, in that pridefulness that they can they can do everything for everybody. I mean, so when I think about, it's a different kind of different. specialness. I think it's it's like belovedness and in the center of everything and all of that kind but it's also, of. But, but it it's, does, it's doesn't giving. have anything to do with like unique necessarily, no, but it's or a, different from everybody else, or textured in a way that nobody understands like that that's the four stuff well, and, and, and the four i mean the four and the seven have in common that they're both they both have pretty uh self-referencing and self i mean they have yeah i mean i wonder if they're the, i don't know if they're i wonder if that comes from the idealism part like that that's i don't that see it's the all one is kind of, having as much selfishness as a, as the four and the seven do hmm it seems we're, I think we're in a world. We're in a whole well, other category. Of, yeah, we might be. I mean, we I, might be. I view the four and the seven as super like, selfish. Yes, both. Yeah. Really, really selfish. Not, not personally. I mean, no, no, no. I hear you. I, no, I'm caught to it. I it's mean, a, no, it's. A, I, I, I would love say how, that. No, but that's from living. Uh, I that comes from a, a, a four son. Not that wasn't about you. I don't care. I don't uh, care if it is about I mean, me because honestly, uh, like <laughs> the first words I think Suzanne says about fours, like the first time I sat down and listen to her it was like the first words about a four were self-absorbed and self-involved and that's just true yeah but the two can bring you out of that and trying to be to, to yeah care about other people. so that's I, I, I it's like i don't even want to think about that too much but the reality is it helps me so when i think about the the um withdrawing no when i think about the withdrawing stance i think I, I have a lot to learn with that being just alone sitting with myself going to five like all mm-hmm. of that seems like work to do when i think about people being dependent that is so abhorrent to me. The idea of that yeah, I think sounds we have that in common. <laughs> awful. <laughs>